1: All right, all right. We are back. We are here. Employment Law Show set to go again. Partner John Pincus is in the hot seat, and he will be providing all the information and education over the next uh, half hour or so. So feel free to stick around, tune in, and contact John anytime. By the way, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca. The email address, if we have some time a little later on uh, this half hour, we'll try to get to an email. If not, John has a team who answers them all the time, so fear not. Feel free to send one along anytime. There's also another way to reach out. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. That is basically you got tons of helpful notes on employment law, all kinds of topics. Severance pay p- uh, calculator can be found there as well, and of course a contact button uh, to reach John and the rest of his team. PocketEmploymentLawyer.ca. We are going to cover what you need to know about termination for cause. Very important topic. That is on the way. A couple bullet points that John will expand on. But we always start off the shoe with the case of the day, pal. What do you got? Uh, what do you got for us today, tonight, whatever?
2: Well, that's right. We've got a lot of interesting things to talk about and Mm -hmm. and probably things that people will uh, relate to. Uh, This one is uh, the case of the day that I have for today is a a really interesting one and a really um, troubling and and concerning one, actually. Uh, This is an employee uh, who worked for a company for 20 years as a process engineer, and he'd recently been going through some hard times, uh, some death and illness in the family, and it hit him pretty hard and has caused him some mental health challenges. So what he did is he put the company on notice uh, by giving them a, a signed medical note from his doctor that he was on medication, uh, that he's having some uh, psycholo- psychological issues relating to some traumatic events in his life, and that he would need some reduced hours, mm-hmm. uh, which the company granted him. Uh, the doctor's note also said that he's been more prone to irritability and outbursts and actually might need some, some time away uh, from time to time. Well, everything went fine until about a month ago where he had an interaction with one of his superiors who was complaining about some mistakes he made in a process status report that he had uh, created the week before. And suffice to say, uh, this individual did not react well. He did not handle it well. He was screaming, yelling, he was banging on the table um, and saying, you know, not great things about his boss. So the company sent him home for the day. The next day, he comes into the office with another doctor's note requesting a few days off work so he can recalibrate himself and and, and put himself together. And in response to getting that note, the company terminates him for cause on the spot. They said yeah. we reached this decision yesterday, and we have no choice but to terminate your employment for cause as a result of your completely unprofessional behavior, inexcusable and insubordination and insolence, etc., etc., etc. He actually tries to apologize. He says, "Look, I know I was totally out of line. It never happen again. I just, you know, I just need to get myself together and get myself through this." He tries to reason with them, but no, they have made up their mind. 25 years gone uh, after one uh, one bad day at work now there's clearly a lot wrong with the situation right this is a wrongful dismissal and a breach of this individual's human rights in a multitude of ways first of all this is someone that is easily owed upwards of 18 months pay and on top of that human rights damages and there are two things and this is really important for anyone who is listening to this there are uh, who's an employee Uh, Because there are two things that this employee did right. First of all, he submitted written doctor's notes, putting the company on notice that he had these issues, he needed some accommodations, uh, and he was going through a hard time and, and, and may struggle in the workplace. So that was key. The second thing is he tried to apologize when he knew he was wrong. Uh, So if you're an employee and you want to make the best of a bad situation, that's the way to do it. Obviously, you want to avoid this from happening in the first place. But in this case, long service employee, clearly some mitigating factors, no history of discipline. There's just no chance. There's just no reasonable chance at all uh, that they're going to be able to establish cause. And actually, I think they're going to be on the hook for some additional compensation, even beyond severance.
1: It's interesting too because you know the the employer was was in a way kind of compliant and understanding cuz they did give him a cool off day but then they kind of did a 180.
2: Yeah, well I mean they phrased that as a as a suspension but when mm. he comes back uh and he I mean they rec- they certainly recognized the accommodation previously yes. and when he comes back with another doctor's note I mean, at that point, you have to know, look, something is going on here. They can't pretend this is just someone who's, you know, incorrigible and not willing to, uh, you know, to, to cooperate.
1: Let's get into our topic for the day. By the way, anytime you can reach out to Mr. Pickus and his crew, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred 855 821 5900 Help at This is what we're going to talk about, what you need to know about termination for cause. Number one, what is it? How difficult is it to actually establish one? So a termination for cause
2: is when an employer has the ability to terminate your employment without paying any severance. And in order to do that, the employer has to show that there were no other options available to them and that you've done something so bad that you have totally destroyed uh, any ability for the employment relationship to continue you've destroyed the employment relationship by doing something really bad so what are some things um that tend to do this well dishonesty is a big one so if you've done forgery fraud that kind of thing um if you've uh engaged in uh something uh, against your employer's interest you've done something clandestine against your employer and they can prove it um uh, but it's you know, actually important, not so much what is just cause, but what is not just cause. Right? So first of all, if what your employer is accusing you of is something that you did not do, they're accusing you of engaging in fraud or a conflict of interest or, um, or harassment uh, or anything like that, and you just didn't do it, uh, or it's based on allegations that simply don't, don't hold any weight, then they cannot establish just cause, no matter how serious their allegations. Uh, And that's probably the most important thing, because employers love to make it seem like you have done something really badly. But if it's not true, it's not true. And they're going to be on the hook for that. The other thing is sometimes you have done something, uh, but it's not enough to justify a termination for cause. So if you've made a mistake, uh, if you have some unsatisfactory performance, even if there's a history of it, um, that's often not going to be a, a uh, viable for termination for cause. If you have been accused of doing something that you did not do, um, if you had a disagreement with your boss uh, or your coworkers, you know, and and just generally isolated minor incidents, um, those are um, those are not going to be a termination for cause 99% of the time. In fact, even some more things that you would think of as serious, like a physical assault. Uh, you don't want to do that. You certainly want to avoid that at all at all costs. But if you had a moment of weakness and got into a scuffle with someone in the workplace and uh, there have been actually cases where even that is not just cause. Again, mm-hmm. don't do that. <laughs> but if you have done it and you've been terminated for cause, you should still speak with an employment lawyer. So short answer, John, it is very very difficult to establish.
1: Next point is this: How many "quote unquote" chances should an employee get before they're dismissed for that cause?
2: Right. Well, I always like to say there's there's this temptation on the part of employers to implement a three strikes you yeah. out policy, yeah. and sometimes employers do have that policy. But there really is no set default rule. You know, it's not like you go uh, to court and a judge says to you, "Well, you did this three times, and and it's therefore it's a termination for cause." The context matters you know how far apart are the chances you know if you had a warning six years ago and you're getting another warning now can the employer say well this this shows that it's just not working well actually no it shows the opposite it shows that it did work because you got a warning and for the last six years things have conceivably been going well have there been positive performance reviews since that right so an employer it's not just a matter of adding up all these negative points uh on your uh on your record like a demerit point system um it we take into account how have you uh, responded to them. How serious are the warnings? How how fair are the warnings? Right? If they've made a warning but they've made it in bad faith, which happens all the time, uh, more often than not, actually, in my experience, uh, then that warning's not going to mean anything. Uh, so, you know, it's it's best not to think about this in terms of how many times has it happened, but what's happened. What are the context of it happening and how did how did you respond to that, which is why when you're getting these warnings, you should remember that they're probably preparing to terminate your employment for cause. And that's probably a time that you want to speak with an employment lawyer so you can head it off the pass.
1: And again, reaching out to uh, John anytime. i will keep uh, giving you that contact info, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. help at employmentlawyer.ca. One more point about this before we move on to uh, some other things, maybe an email or two, and uh, what you need to know about termination for cause. Do you get, is there, a, is there a time where you get any severance if you're fired for cause?
2: Well, John, if the employer has taken the position that your employment is terminated for cause, then unlikely you're going to be offered anything. You might be offered yeah. what's called a without prejudice offer. Say, well, we have cause, but we're so nice, we'll pay you this anyway. But typically, you're not going to be offered anything. And if you have been properly fired for cause, you know you you've done something really, really bad, um, or you have a long history of warnings and the warnings are legitimate and you just haven't been listening, um, then you will not be owed anything. Uh, But if you have not uh, engaged in that kind of behavior or you've been accused of doing something that you did not do, then you are going to be owed the same severance that anyone who is terminated without cause will be owed. Just because the employer alleges it does not actually change anything, they have to prove it.
1: (laughs) It's really interesting as well, you know, uh, th- th- the level of cause. You mentioned the three-strike rule where it's it's such a high threshold for it. And, and as you say, employers just say, you know what, you, you've done one thing. You dropped a skid or you drove into the back of a company truck. That's enough. Out you go. You, you qualify for the capital punishment of termination cause. And uh, we're going to let you go. This must uh, This must overwhelm your desk on a daily basis, right?
2: Yeah, or employers who did uh give two or three warnings and think, "Oh, well, that's three strikes, you're out." Well, no, yeah. no. This is someone's life. It's not a baseball game, right? You have to actually look at the circumstances of what happened. Um so, yeah, I mean, some some employers will implement that that kind of uh, three-strike rule, uh yeah. but that that's that's not a real thing. The the, the law yeah. cares about what really happened here and and was this employment relationship really unsalvageable?
1: With that, we'll take one small break and get right back into it. Uh, Reaching out to John and the crew at his side, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca, and the website pocketemploymentlawyer.ca as well. We'll continue. Still more to go. Stick around. Employment Law Show continues. All right, welcome back, Employment Law. Show good to have you along for the remainder of the half hour. John Pincus is in the chair answering all the questions. He does a ton after the show as well, so feel free to reach out at your leisure and have a chat. 1 821. 5900 help and employmentlawyer.ca as well. Get to a few of these questions. You get them every day. They're very common. That's why you threw them into the mix, John. And this is Mr. Pinkus. John, what should I do? Dot, dot, dot. So we'll get to these. First one is, what do I do if I've been placed on a temporary layoff? It's got no return date. What are my rights? Well, you know,
2: it's, it's not only if you've been t- placed on a temporary layoff with no return date, it's even if you've been placed on a temporary layoff at all, right? We saw Mm -hmm. so much of this uh, during the pandemic, and this is something that is going to continue because layoffs will always uh, be around. And what you need to do, the first thing you need to do is you need to think about whether this is something you're okay with. And that kind of discussion is the perfect time to speak with an employment lawyer. Have you had layoffs happen before? Have you agreed to layoffs? Have you agreed to them in writing? Or have you agreed to layoffs historically throughout your employment? If you have, well, then there's probably nothing you can do about it because that's just that's just the nature of your arrangement with them. But if you haven't, then you can say, well, no, this isn't you may look at this as temporary, but I'm not agreeing to this, so I'm treating this as a termination. And if you treat it as a termination, then you can pursue your severance, and your severance entitlements will be the same as as everyone else's Um, so you want to act and you want to act quickly uh, because otherwise if you start agreeing to layoffs or not doing anything about layoffs your employer is going to argue well layoffs are just part of your employment
1: all right we'll get to another one Uh, john what do i do my manager is putting me on a performance improvement plan and i'm worried that they'll use this to fire me we talked about this and is that always what it leads to or is there just legitimately we want you to get better and carry on working here
2: you know That's a good question, John. It's not always what it leads to. Um, mm-hmm. Some employers do act in good faith, uh, but unfortunately, many of them do not. Um, so uh, you really have to think about why are they issuing such a formal document? And nine out of 10 times, they're doing it because they're contemplating potentially firing you, and they want to be able to save money later by building a case for cause. Um, So what you want to do is you want to respond to it. You want to read it carefully. Consider, are there any criticisms here that, you know what, actually, they're right about that. Uh, I did do that. And you want to acknowledge that. You want to promise to improve. And you want to do your very best to improve in those areas in demonstrable ways. Uh, If there are criticisms, though, that are unfair, or there are criticisms that may be fair, but the reason why you're not able to do it is because they're not providing you with supports, then you wanna respond to that. You wanna show them, look, I wanna get better, but I don't understand this, right? Uh, So you wanna politely state to your employer why they're unfair. If you have documentary evidence or emails that support why you believe it's unfair, attach those to your email. Notice I'm saying, do it in writing, do it by email, because you will wanna rely on it later if things go south. Um, Again, if things are fair, if the criticism's fair, tell the employer what your plan is to fix it, follow through on that plan. Uh, if you need a uh, medical leave, if you need training supports, if you need breaks, ask that from your employer. And if you don't get them, follow up. So when they come back and they say later, well, things aren't getting better, you can say, well, here's why they're not getting better, right? Because I, I've been trying. And that will really uh, help you if your employment is terminated for cause. And it actually may dissuade your employer from terminating your employment in the first place.
1: Next one is, John, what do I do? Uh, The boss is giving half of my hours to a new, younger employee. Can they do that? Right. Well, we really need to look at
2: the context, right? I mean, it's certainly tempting to start by accusing the employer of ageism, and that may, in fact, be what's going on. But uh, do you have a history of your hours fluctuating? Because if that's the case, well, then that's not really a change in your employment. The other thing is maybe they have shifted your hours uh, without your permission, but if they've done it for reasons unrelated to your age – not necessarily discriminatory. But Uh just because it's not discriminatory doesn't mean that they're allowed to do it. Because if you have a certain, you know, if you have 40 hours a week, and all of a sudden, you have 20 hours a week, and you've always had 40 hours, well, that is almost certainly going to be a constructive dismissal, which means Uh that you can treat that as a termination and pursue your severance entitlements, which will be the same as everyone else. So what do you do first? Call one of us, call an employment lawyer, make sure you understand what your rights are.
1: And yeah, one is the number to reach out uh, any time. Next one is this. This one counts kind, of, kind of sneaky. He says, John, I'm ready to return to work from a leave, but my boss said I have no job to return to. Oh, nice guy. He's even offered to help me get EI. Should I accept his help? Right. You want
2: to be very careful here because what employers often do is they, they do sneaky things with the record of employment. Like they'll say, oh, okay, we'll put out dismissed on the record of employment, but you asked for this right and when you go to seek your severance they'll say oh no we only issued the record of employment and put code m on it because we, he wanted us to help him get ei and that's what he said here's his email you know or here's the date we had this conversation i've seen employers do that all the time alleging that employees asked to be terminated and therefore they resigned you don't want to be in that situation right so what you want to do instead is you want to say look do i have a job and you want to do that in writing i want to come back here's what you asked me. I don't want help getting EI. I want my job back. Do you have a job for me? And if they say no, um, it's at that point you say, okay, well, what are you going to be paying me for severance? And at that point, if you don't get a response, that's the time to get an employment lawyer involved so that we can help you get your severance. But you don't don't ask for help for, for EI if you're prepared to go back to work. Don't play that game with them.
1: Yeah. You get to one more of these. uh, You know, John, uh, what should I do in this situation? I've just been fired. I have 48 hours to sign a severance offer that my company says, well, it's generous. Should I sign before the offer expires? The pressure is on. Well, uh, you
2: know, the good news is if you're in a situation like this, there's always going to be an employment lawyer who is available to speak with you uh, before that time expires. There's enough of us, so don't worry about that. So give us a call. Do not sign it. Maybe it is generous. Maybe you're you have the one out of ten severance offers that is generous. Chances are you probably don't though, right? And 48 hours, by the way, that's not a reasonable time. The standard amount of time is at least a week uh, to consider it. And if it's not a reasonable severance offer and it's not one that you should be accepting, well, then you have to consider that your rights don't expire for two years until you're uh, after your notice of termination. So the first thing you want to do is you want to figure out, is this an offer that I should be taking? Go on the severance pay calculator and speak to an employment lawyer. And only after you have spoken to an employment lawyer should you decide, okay, you know what? This is a good offer. I'll take it. Or this is a bad offer. I'm going to negotiate it.
1: And in the meantime, also go to pocketemploymentlawyer.ca, use the Severance Pay Calculator app and get a ballpark of uh, where you should be. And the fact that it's a good offer, yeah, more like one in 100 are generous, uh, never mind adequate, right? So feel free to reach out to John at any time in that regard. Let's bounce down to an email or two with our remaining minutes here, brother. uh, Carlo up first says, hey, John, I work for a company that operates under the Canadian Labor Code. Do I still have severance entitlements? I'm a manager and I read that I cannot start an unjust dismissal action if you're a manager.
2: Right. So, this is again a difference between an administrative regime and a common law regime. You have different rights under both. Now, federally regulated employees are subject to the Canada Labour Code and there is an unjust dismissal uh, procedure that they can follow and they have certain rights under that procedure. And sometimes it makes sense to do that. But, all of those employees are still going to have the same remedies at common law that they otherwise would have if they were provincially regulated. Mm-hmm. So the answer to your first question, Carlo, is yes, you still have severance entitlements. It's true if you're a manager and you're in your true sense of the manager, you may not have some other remedies available, but you still have an entitlement to severance. And not only do you have an entitlement to severance, but it's the same severance entitlement that Your uh, friends who work for provincially regulated companies have. We look at the same things, your age, your position, your length of service. So give us a call if you have been terminated, and let's look at what you've been offered.
1: We'll get to John's email as well. John says, hey, John, my uh, employer is asking me to work on a night shift. I've worked day shift for 15 years. Is this a constructive dismissal?
2: Well, certainly that seems to have the uh, the bones of a constructive dismissal. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty significant change, uh, especially if you have conflicting obligations or something that uh, is not going to allow you to do that. I've I've actually had the situation happen where sometimes people can't do it because they have medical problems uh, working in the evening. So absolutely, you should call us and you should call us quickly because if you work those shifts and you do that after a period of time, might not be anything you can do because you've now accepted that. So don't accept it. Let's speak
1: first. And that kind of you know, leads into a question I was going to ask anyway. Maybe this is not a hugely upsetting change to his lifestyle. Maybe it's a single guy. I don't know. Maybe he's got all the time in the world. So if he thinks mm, maybe nights wouldn't be bad, I love the job, I love the people I work with, can I try it? You can try it. But in that case,
2: you want to do it on a trial basis, right? And you want to carefully advise your employer to say, hey, look, I have serious concerns about this. I'm going to do it on a trial basis, but if it doesn't work out, I expect you to return me back to my old shift, and if you don't do it, we're going to have a problem, right? Right. And you may want to have help from an employment lawyer uh, to draft that because, hey, maybe it works out great, and that's a much better solution than having to uh, pursue a constructive dismissal if you can stay at your current job uh, and and it works out. But if it doesn't, you got to prepare for that possibility you might need to claim constructive dismissal.
1: see if we get Ann's email in here in the last uh, couple minutes. And Ann says, John, do I have to go to work if I'm anxious still about getting COVID-19?
2: Well, if that's really the only reason that um, you are hesitant to to return to work, the short answer is yes, you do have to go back to work. You can always and should always, if you're concerned about safety in the workplace, report it to occupational health and safety. But typically, that kind of complaint is not going to lead to anything if all it is is general COVID anxiety.
1: And that is if the workplace has complied with all the safety procedures, COVID procedures, blah, 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 you just got to get back to work, right? Yes,
2: that's right. Yeah. And, you know, that's not to say that those concerns are not founded. Sure. Um, they often they often are, but unfortunately, that's just not a basis to refuse to go to work.
1: And appreciate you uh, appreciate you reaching out, and you as well. If you managed to email the show today, it was, uh, was good to have you uh, on. You want to reach out to John now that we're ready to wrap it up for a Another show. Here is that phone number one more time, 1-855-821-5900. Again, 1-855-821-5900. That email address we always pull from is help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website, that includes the severance pay calculator, which is a tool you can use and should use if only for for interest's sake. It's free and it's anonymous, as is the entire website, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca.
0: And we'll catch you next time on the Employment Law Show.